Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Hey, culture friends, thank you for um, checking in. Um, yeah, still a strange time. I hope you're all keeping well. Um, yeah, what a strange time. I've mainly been, well, I spent the last two weeks procrastinating doing uni work and then realising I really needed to do it. So I'm trying to do that now. I've got another week and then my second year of uni is over. Dissertation prep has started um so yeah anyway what you're here for um if you've not heard this podcast before thank you i'm sure you're here because you want to hear cassie talk which um we all do like i loved having this conversation with cassie uh if you are here because you like the podcast you don't know much about cassie you're well in for a treat um we talked about um we talked about punk as per we talked about um we talked about trade unions, which I find super interesting. Um, work being working class or the lack of working class representation of people speaking from the within the punk community, I guess, and the kind of scene that's, that Cassie is part of. Um, we spoke about loads, really. Um, I don't want to... You're about to hear it, so there's no point me bullying pointing it. Um, I want to say huge thank you to Cassie for doing this with me there are a few times when it goes in and out um which we try to stitch it as organically as we can basically cassie was crawling on a phone and you know if she didn't like awaken the phone every so often the phone would just like her side of things would just go blank but um yeah hopefully it's not unlistenable and yeah thank you so much for listening we've got um we've got a big one next podcast is with andy hurley from fallout boy which was a pleasure we've got loads more coming up because this is kind of how i'm trying to keep my head ticking along and uh so yeah thank you if you enjoy it tell your friends um listen to some old ones um take care of yourself if you want to do your own podcast and you don't know how to start hit me up let me know i'll try and help you out but yeah take care of yourself enjoy the podcast peace Hey, Cassie, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me on the podcast. No, thank you. Um, I'm glad that, um, well, actually, I was going to say, I'm glad that the COVID has sped up the process of getting you on, but I'm not glad, really. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a okay byproduct of a very bad situation. Yeah, I mean, I've got loads of time to talk and be on a podcast. So, oh, yeah, I'm happy. I'm, yeah, I'm excited. Cool. How have you been spending your time? Um, well, today we started cracking on with the garden, which was pretty good, actually, because it's been something that I've been thinking about for a while, like doing some weeding. We've got, we've got shit loads of weeds in our garden. So, um, so we've been doing that. Um, I have started to learn how to play guitar, which is also nice. something that I've been thinking about for a while. So that's been really good. Um, I've been doing loads of reading. 
actually they've been nice. Um, it's, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Because like, I mean, this whole situation is really shit, and it's so shit for so many people. I am in a super privileged position, but like, there are little things that I'm enjoying about this whole thing because I've just got like more time to think about stuff and like more time yeah. to do things that I wouldn't usually do. So it's, I don't know, like it's such a shit situation, but I can't help but be a little bit kind of like, you know, happy that I'm getting to, I don't know, not be as stressed out about doing all of the things. Well, that's it. That's, I think that that's an important thing. Like, you know, you could like, like you said, you're in a very fortunate position. So like, enjoy that fortunate position rather than being like, you know, like we're all in this strange situation. So enjoy it while you while it's enjoyable and then I'm sure there'll be depending on how long this goes you know there's always going to be ups and downs isn't there yeah yeah and there definitely like are good days and bad days and like um, you know I, I obviously really miss my friends like yeah you know I just I'm a very touchy huggy person <laughs> so like not being able to like hold and kiss my mates is like absolutely disgusting it's horrible <laughs> so <laughs> everyone needs to get ready for like an hour of snogging from me. <laughs> nice. Is there is there not anyone in the house, or is have you just exhausted yeah. all of the house situation? Yeah, pretty much. I think my housemates are going to get absolutely sick of me, like snuggling them all the time. <laughs> um, so, how are you enjoying playing or learning guitar? Oh, uh, it, yeah, it's really good. I think I've always been quite intimidated by guitar because I like mm. I I play bass and I have done for like quite a few years and I really love playing bass. Um, I got I got an acoustic guitar when I was like 13 and I'm quite an impatient person. So I think I just gave up really quickly because I just yeah. I couldn't I couldn't see myself progressing and I couldn't like I wasn't good straight away which obviously you're not going to be good straight away like why why do we think that that's going to happen um so I kind of just gave up and then I don't know like I, I don't know if you've seen like Fender have put up these like free online lessons um, oh, I haven't no. yeah like it's free like, you usually pay for them and it's free for three months um for the first like hundred thousand people or something um so I signed up to that and they're actually really good. And I think, um, like, because I play bass, there are certain things that I already know that I could just, like, skip through. Um, yeah. But it's actually really, yeah, it's really cool. And, like, my housemate Rory has lent me, like, this really nice electric guitar to learn on. So that's really cool. I might play some later, actually. But it's, I don't know, I'm really, I've got really fat fingers. So I'm just really intimidated by how thin the strings are and, like you know there's two more strings like why do I need two more strings yeah it's fun I mean big fingers don't really um you know yeah that's always the thing though isn't it you're just like oh I can't do this like how do your fingers and then like I guess six months later if you carry on you're like oh cool like I can I can't imagine ever being able to like to move power chords like quickly Mm, yeah it just seems so but obviously I am just like well actually if I just pull my finger out and like actually like practice for a, a time then just like anything but that's the amazing thing I think about 
just fucking playing music, isn't it? Where you're like, oh, I'll never be able to do this. And then like six days later, you've learned that bass line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, and that's why I'm pushing myself because I know that if I actually put the effort in and persevere, like I know I'll be able to do it. You know, when I first picked up bass, I was like, I'm never going to be able to do this. This is so hard. Like, and when I first joined Worst Witch, like, I was just like, there's no way I'm going to be able to play as fast as I need to be able to play to be in this band. Like, and then you just practice and it's like, oh my God, I can play this really fast kind of intricate bass line. And I never thought I'd be able to do that. And you just, pra- you just practice. And I'm like, I'm trying to remind myself of that, um, as, as time goes on. And uh, you know, I've only been, I've only been playing guitar like a couple of days or whatever, but you know, I know, I know two, one finger, uh, chords now, you know, that's, I don't know, G and C, um, nice. <laughs> and I can play those. That's quite fun. Yeah. So you were able to like, um, like from like being a bit daunted about learning worse wit songs, you were then able to be like, Oh fuck, I know how to play these songs now. Yeah. I think I, it's just, I think it's just a, a thing of being like acknowledging that you're intimidated by it kind of asking yourself why that is and why you think you can't do it and then practicing and being like oh yeah shit I can do that <laughs> like I think I just I like having a new challenge and especially with yeah. bass I kind of was like uh actually I do want to push myself and I, I want I want to be a better bassist and maybe being in this band will help um yeah. and you know it definitely did because I was just like oh I can play really fast now like <laughs> how did that how did that happen and I'm I'm definitely not as intimidated anymore when when it's kind of like and in the back you know other bands that I'm in now where I have to play really fast it's like yeah I'll fuck up a few times and but as long as I practice I'll I'll be able to nail it at some point you know I think it's unrealistic to just think you're going to be able to do it straight off um, and yeah. I guess I'm, I'm trying to apply that mentality with guitar, like, whereas I've given up so easily before, I'll be like, no, it's just practice, like, get on with it. No one was born being able to be an amazing guitarist. And I think yeah, yeah, for it's sure. easy to think that people, people were. And I think this is just exactly what happens, especially to like, like women and trans people and non-binary people in music is like, you know, a lot of the time, men in particular are kind of like, oh, yeah, I've been playing guitar since I was like eight or whatever. I was encouraged to do that. And for so many other people, they weren't encouraged to do that or didn't have access to that or felt like they couldn't uh, get involved or whatever. So it's just remembering that you haven't had as long as a lot of other people, like and p- particularly men and boys like who, who have had access to that. Um, yeah yeah and that encouragement as well like yeah like you've said perfectly um Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's a big one to remember of like yeah um let's go let's go so when did you start playing bass um so probably about six years ago okay so so pretty recent really yeah yeah yeah, not that long ago at all. Like, I basically really had wanted to, like, play an instrument. I'd wanted to be in a punk band. The only band that I'd been in before um, was a short stint in a Jimmy Eat World cover band. 
when I was mm-hmm. like 16 yeah. and I just did vocals in that band um but had had not really like I played like cello when I was at school but I'd never played like uh yeah an electric instrument or anything and I basically was just like I I was really involved in like feminist activism and stuff and basically was just really pissed off and wanted to like express that in a kind of musical way I guess and my partner at the time was super super encouraging and was like why don't you play bass like he was playing bass and um yeah just was super encouraging and and like taught me how to like play some stuff and then basically just left me to it and just encouraged me to practice and and yeah and then and then I started the first punk band that I was in um Fight Rosa Fight um yeah which was yeah just like a right girl band um with some people that I'd, I'd met in Cheltenham and and that's the rest is history basically so I haven't been yeah I haven't been really playing that long um, yeah, and were you doing vocals straight away as well as playing bass in Fight Rosa yeah, Fight? Yeah, which was really hard. Like, like learning how to do that was really hard. Um, but I guess the first few kind of songs that we wrote, the the bass lines were super, like super, super, super simple and uh, just kind of really rhythmically simple so that I could sing at the same time because otherwise... I, I think it was it's like a good learning lesson when you're kind of first starting out and being worried about uh playing an instrument and singing at the same time like just keep it really simple it doesn't have to be complicated because it's gonna be hard um so it's it's okay to just like keep it really simple because that's definitely what we did um and like every bass line was kind of just like and all the vocals were just like on the beat kind of thing um yeah but it was super fun. Like we were like, there'd been, there'd basically been this like spate of really awful sexual assaults in the town that we were living in. And, um, there was a, there's a, there was like a feminist activist group that I was running at the time. And, and there was another one as well. And we decided to kind of come together to, um, to kind of like, uh, organize some demonstrations and some protests and some like activist stuff around what was happening. And I, I basically, uh, I met the, the who was going to become the Fight Rosa Fight guitarist, Lindsay. I met her at uh, at the meeting that we we kind of pulled together. Um, and I basically, I basically was like, oh, I really want to start a Riot Girl band. I've just started learning bass, and she was like, no way, I've just started learning guitar. And we had loads of bands and stuff in common that we really liked. Like we both like loved Bikini Kill and like Slater Kinney and Bratmobile and stuff. And we were just like, why don't we start a band? And there you go. The, and she she knew Emily, our drummer. They'd been in bands together before. So um, yeah. And then yeah, we basically just like started this like scrappy, pretty shit Riot Girl band. Um, and then yeah, and we were together for like four years which is like yeah. amazing when you think about it. Yeah, that's amazing. Especially to come out of something like um like you're saying with the like with the groups, the two the two groups coming together in Cheltenham. Mm. Um out of such a sh- shit situation to have so much, you know, it's amazing that it brought two groups of people together as it is and then like so much more to come out of that. Yeah, Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It definitely brought 
a lot of kind of like like we were all just really angry and annoyed and scared and um we wanted something productive to happen um so we were kind of like lobbying local politicians and stuff but then so there was all that kind of political activism going on but also we wanted to do something creative so um and then yeah and, and I think we were also so lucky because at the time uh there were a lot of other kind of like we I mean we were so I don't know even know how this happened but we were so lucky because at that time so kind of like 2013 14 um a lot of other kind of like uh feminist riot girl queer punk bands were also coming out so like we the kind of rebirth of kind of UK Riot Girl was sort of just starting so I'm thinking about bands like Petrol Girls and Big Joni um and like Haters and like bands like that where uh like we were all kind of coming through at the same time so it was like this kind of rebirth of of this scene that has now in my in my view has had like a massive impact on the UK punk scene now uh because like all of a sudden there was just like this explosion of like women and trans people and non-binary people kind of really challenging what the UK punk scene was was looking like uh yeah and and it was so like I felt so privileged to be part of that like massively Uh, and I think like we the uh, like the punk scene in general probably owes a lot to that time but also like me personally I feel like I got so much from that time. I I owe a lot to a lot of those bands and a lot of those people that we met through that time. Like Fight Rose of Fight definitely I, like owes a lot to a lot of those people because you know we were just especially in the beginning like we were so shit, <laughs> but like we <laughs> were so like we didn't care though. Like we had so much that we wanted to say, and we were so angry about a lot of stuff. And like we ultimately we were just like playing this like scrappy punk music and me just kind of screaming about rape and how awful it is in people's faces like so we were just like super unapologetic um and yeah it was it was a great bloody time basically yeah that is it's yeah that sounds super amazing i'm sure that there'll be so many people that would have exactly the same like thing to say but like how they felt and you being one of those people it sounds like that would have been like amazing for them at the time as well and fight rose of fight of course as well which is which is nice like you say oh we're just like you know a bit shit at the start but i mean i mean obviously that's subjective anyway isn't it but um that's just yeah that's that's so cool and you're yeah so how was how was being so was you part of a punk scene in cheltenham before like um before you started playing in Fight Rose of Fight, or was it finding um, these other women to play music with and like, and it just blossoming from there? Mm, I guess um, a bit of both. Like I've always really loved music and was like involved in the punk scene. And I started going to gigs when I was like 13 or whatever, where I, where I grew up in Milton Keynes. And um, so I, I kind of, wherever I lived, I sort of found those those people you know going to shows or whatever I remember like when I moved so I moved to Cheltenham to go to uni in 2007 
and one of the first shows that I went to there was like uh, I went I went to one of the local pubs and went to see Rolo Tomasi and I went on my own because I, I had no idea like who else would want to go um yeah but like I found, you know, I, I met uh, like people there and um, found that there were people who were going to my uni who were into that kind of thing. And um, I don't know, like I, I then, I, I don't know, I just found myself kind of like uh, this little kind of embedded in this little scene that was in this small town. Um, and there were other people into kind of like alternative music. And I also, when I was at uni, I lived with quite a few people who were also really into music and a couple of people who were on the popular music course at uni. And, uh, we, you know, I don't know. I think like if you're into like alternative stuff, like alternative music, if you're into punk or like metal or whatever, you find those people, don't you? Like you, you kind yeah. of, you, you see what people are wearing <laughs> and then you're like, you know. <laughs> you, yeah. You, you're kind of like, oh, were they at the local rock night or whatever? Uh, you know, you, you just find those people, I guess. And then, um, you know, I got to be friends with people who were putting on shows. And um, and then uh, I um, got, I also like got into a relationship with someone who was kind of involved in putting on shows. And that obviously opened up like a lot of new friendships and stuff for me. So, so that was, yeah, it was really I don't know, like I was already really involved in terms of like helping to put on shows and go into a lot of shows. But I guess it was through meeting lots of other people who were in bands that made me just think like, I really want to do that. Like I can't play an instrument. Maybe I should give it a go. Uh, I feel like I've got a lot of stuff that I want to say and scream into a microphone. <laughs> um, and I'm like pissed off about a lot of stuff that would make good good like fodder for music basically um so yeah I guess I've always been sort of like in the scene I guess um but yeah definitely yeah. being in Fight Rose of Fight I I definitely credit being in that band changed my life in a lot of ways and I know that sounds really cringy no but... no I think that sounds really like it's nice to hear and I think that it's nice that you like for me that is clear and obvious so it's amazing that you are, like you think that as well. Yeah, I de I definitely do because I think a like you know would we have ever met if if I hadn't have been like if we both hadn't have been involved in like the punk scene in the UK like I'm I'm I know so many of my friends and people who I counted like really close friends and like people who have really shaped me as a person through being in that band and then through being in subsequent bands as well and I think like I I wouldn't have had that had had we not started that band like and you know we got to go on tour a couple of times and I just like I would never have had those experiences had I not been in been in that band it it proper changed my life and like and now I sort of I'm involved in kind of like doing music workshops and stuff and I'd never get asked to do those kinds of things had I not been in been in that band. So yeah, I definitely I definitely credit um, the DIY punk scene <laughs> uh, in sort of changing my life, and I'm sure that's happened to a lot of people as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because that's it. Is like um, for some people, it's just like oh, cool. There's this thing I like. For some people, it's like a subculture that they're like really part of, especially like um, 
That's, but yeah, and like see it as like a yeah a real subculture and account like counterculture and mm. like something to be part of and like a community and you know there's some people in the middle of those two things as well, um, yeah and it like um that's what and I've always um I've always felt when I'm like thinking of you or when I see the person that you are obviously we live like hundreds of miles away but like just say like on the internet or like when I, when I'll see you though, like you're someone that wears like counterculture and like your own like radicalism on your sleeve more than maybe like anyone that I know, like, or most people that I know for sure. Um, Uh, I take that as a massive compliment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And And like, I think it is. And like, um, I think it's nice that like people can like, you know, you're saying that you do workshops. That's so amazing that you like that, you're someone that wears who you are so much like on your sleeve and then you're like you're actively trying to bring other people into into the the culture if they want to be part of it as well whilst being like unashamedly clear of what that means yeah yeah um yeah and like was that I guess this is like jumping again but like it's something that really interests me especially again like I say because of like you being someone that I like see as like such a like radical person as uh I guess an identity I guess um hopefully that sounds like hopefully that's a compliment but like um do you did did that did the politics or like the music come first or was it the same time or obviously these things come over time but what was it for you Mm, that's so interesting and that's that's actually something that I've been asked before and I think um for me so music music has always been a massive part of my life um so I think it was kind of like music first but then I but then I got really involved in kind of like feminist politics when I when I was kind of like in my late teens but the two were seemed really separate to me and it wasn't until kind of like my early 20s that music and politics came together so I was really like really into music and having loads of fun and going to gigs or whatever then I was like really I actually got involved in like doing like hunt sab so it was kind of like a animal activism came before feminist activism for me um and then uh yeah but the the two like music and politics were still quite separate until like you think of like uh when I really started listening to the lyrics of like Rage Against the Machine and like bands like Anti-Flag who were like unashamedly political um yeah and I think when you're like 16 you probably are like, yeah, fuck the government, but not really knowing what that actually means. Like, you're not thinking about, um, like, what does a police state mean? Or, like, what does being, uh, like, anti-prison state mean? Like, you're you're just screaming along to the lyrics, but you're not really thinking about what that actually means in practice. Um, so it wasn't until I got a bit older where I was like, actually, I want my kind of leftist politics and my kind of queer politics and feminist politics to kind of really run through everything that I that I enjoy so like whether that's music or fashion or art or whatever it happens to be, like the way I live my life the things that I buy or whatever it happens to be um 
it wasn't till my kind of like early to mid twenties that that all kind of started to mesh together. Um, so, and, and I think definitely fight Rosa fight was a product of that. So I, I was kind of like, actually, I want to be in an unapologetically feminist political band. And from the very beginning, like we never hid what we were about like ever. And our, like our drummer, Emily, I think when we first started that band, like she just wanted to play drums. Like she's a great drummer. She's a drum teacher. Um, she didn't really care about what we were singing about. She just wanted to play drums. She was just having a fun time being in a punk band. But then as time went on, we talked a lot about, uh, like what our values as a band were. And she, in the beginning, she was just like, yeah, okay. I don't care to be honest. (laughs) Um, whatever. Uh, but then now, I think when you talk to her now, she's like, oh, yeah, I, like, I am a feminist. And she talks about, like, sexism that she faces as, as, a, as a drummer. And it's so interesting to me how that period of time has really shifted her perspective. Because, yeah. like, at the beginning, I think she wouldn't, she'd be like, I don't face any sexism as a drummer. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, like it's everything's fine whereas now she's like oh this really sexist thing happened and I recognize that this is part of a wider problem so I think the political is always personal but it maybe takes you a while to think about how that's actually impacting your life and how it seeps through everything and I think I think you're right like yeah I do wear all of that stuff on my sleeve and I think um it's something that is important to me because I don't I'm obviously not ashamed of who I am and I'm not uh I'm not gonna keep quiet about the things that I think are important um but also I think that it's when you you know you were saying about um kind of doing uh workshops and trying to like bring new people into the scene I think one of the things that's really important to me is that we don't um we don't become gatekeepers of the scene because that mm. that what happened you know that's one of the reasons why I left it till my mid-20s to start a band or to to be in a punk band because I felt like it wasn't for me it was I could go to shows and enjoy it but actually being on the stage as like a queer black woman was not for me like I didn't see that representation whereas if I can flip that on its head and encourage more people to do that then then that to me is like a really cool but also a duty that I kind of have to the to the scene and maybe something I can give and I think um a lot of us who are involved in some of that kind of work have felt really put off for a long time like like I said no to doing like bass workshops for a long time because I was like maybe I'm just not good enough at playing bass but then I think, well, it would be pretty easy for me to teach someone the basics, actually. And then mm-hmm. where they where they take that is up to them. Like, I'm not going to te- teach them to be in, like, this amazing funk band. But, like, you only need to know a few notes to be in a punk band, you know? Yeah. So it's like, uh, if we can help kind of break down some of those barriers um, that help, that, that kind of are telling people that they don't belong or that they can't start bands or that they're not talented enough or whatever. If we can break down some of those things, then we, we bloody well should. Um, and I don't want it to feel like we've broken through some of that and now we're the gatekeepers 
like we feel confident enough to do all these things but no one else is allowed you know but like, I don't I don't want to be part of that <laughs> yeah yeah and I think that that's even you just consciously thinking that I always think if you're consciously thinking things like this you're on the right track yeah. and like obviously it doesn't necessarily mean like you're like you still need to think about what you're thinking and it's not just sitting at home thinking or just chatting with your mates thinking about it you actively have to do it but like having that conversation with yourself is like the start of that where a lot of people I mean some people might not have that conversation with themselves at all so it's like amazing that you're like already thinking about that and and obviously it's a shame that it comes from like so like some shit experiences previous but it's amazing that it's like, right, this, you know, I've realized how this is maybe because do you think you look back and you see things differently to how you were, how you felt it at the time? Yeah. What do you mean? Like fight is a fight or even before that? Just like you were saying, um, uh, I mean, I don't really know what I mean, but I'm like, so, so maybe sometimes when I think about when I was like younger and I, w- I just think like, oh, I, I've never felt like I could, I was ever going to know all the bands. Like I was never going to be the, I was never going to be able to have a conversation with certain people about music because I'd never know what they'd known. Mm. Where now I look back and I think that's so silly. Like, first off, it don't really matter how many bands, you know, secondly, it does, it shouldn't matter to the person you're talking to. Clearly the person you was around was a bit of an ass, but like, um, I mean, I think I am rambling now, so I'm like not really sure of like, <clears throat> but like, uh, even like you said, like how, like, did you, when did you become conscious of the fact that when you was like looking at bands, when the bands that you were listening to were like, you, like not only just like mainly men, but like mainly white people as well, or like something like that, I guess. Well, I guess I've always been conscious of that. Like I, well, not even people on the stage. So I remember always being the only brown person pretty much, you know, like I was the only like brown girl in my group of friends. I was the only like, you know, we were called Grebos at the time. Like you know, yeah. uh, I was the only black Grebo, the only black person in like, in the like alternative crew at school uh I remember being in a shopping centre once with like all my friends you know hanging around on a Saturday as you do in your massive baggy jeans and your like wallet chain and your (laughs) whatever and I remember like there's this group of like black lads who like were just shouting at me being like what are you doing like why are you dressed like that why are you dressed like a white person like why are you into all of this stuff? It's not for you, blah, blah, blah. Um, And it was kind of like coming from both sides. So like black people would be like wondering what the hell I was doing and shouting at me for it. And then white people, other than like my really close friends, white people would also be like, you know, what are you doing here kind of thing. But I I feel like I was also, so it it was this kind of weird uh, feeling of alienation but also this feeling of great comfort because um, I found so much like community and comfort in that scene and in that music amongst my like really close friends. And the music meant so much to me that it kind of, I just, 
I didn't give a shit about what other people thought because I was into what I was into and I loved it so much. And I think I think my mum was always just like, yeah, it's a phase. And it's obviously not a phase because I'm still here, like still uh, doing a little mosh, you know. So I think, um, <laughs> so I, think I was always conscious that I was a bit kind of different and the odd one out in a lot of ways but I loved it so much that it didn't matter and um I don't know I just always really loved like heavy music and that feeling I think those feelings of alienation when I was younger and like I used to get really involved at shows like I'd always be like one of the only girls in the mosh pit I'd definitely be one of you know one if not the only black person at the show um but I, I used to like love getting in the mosh pit I used to get really involved I used to like crowd surf and stuff and like all those feelings of alienation or like confusion or or feeling like you didn't belong just in that moment would disappear because I was just like enjoying it so much and I think I still cling on to how being at shows and being around not just your friends, but like the heaviness of the music or well, depending on what show you're at, obviously, but like that fee- that freeing feeling of like having a good old dance or a good old mosh. Um, I still feel so excited by that, but that just hasn't gone away for me. Like when I go to hardcore shows or like I'm at a festival or something and I'm getting really involved, but that, that exhilaration still exists. And it's the same like when you play a show. Like if I'm like in the middle of playing a show and I'm like really into it and just like banging my head playing this riff or whatever, like that just feels, it's just so fun, isn't it? Like, <laughs> like how much <laughs> it? And I think, I think, um, um, so I always knew that, um, there were very few, there were always like very few women or girls in the pit, um, and there were definitely very few like black people, uh, but especially like on stage, it was just like white men everywhere. Like, <laughs> like you couldn't yeah. escape that. It was just like just white men absolutely everywhere. The only like black, you know, it was like sk- skin from Skunk and Nancy, <laughs> um, like the dudes from Bad Brains, uh, and like my so my friend Beanie, who now plays drums for like Rudimental. Um, oh, amazing. Uh, and and Anne Marie, the the pop singer, like, uh, I think he plays guitar for Anne Marie, and he's doing like okay. some solo things now. Uh, he was like the only black guy. He used to be in a really great band called The Ideas. They were like so cool. Um, but yeah, other than that, he was like the only guy that I remember like being around at that time um, in like my local area who was also black. And but I think I do think, though, that I was more conscious about there being a lack of women than a. it's only been like kind of like the last eight to 10 years that I've been really thinking about like uh, black representation. I was always so kind of wanted to see more women and I didn't really care what what race or ethnicity these women were. I just wanted to see more women involved. And I think I look back at that now and I just think wow I was really really queer before I knew before I knew about that. <laughs> um uh but so maybe it was something to do with that and being like I want to see less men and more more women but um but I think it's the kind of last 
well, definitely when I was in Fight with Bite, it really kind of came to the fore of how white the scene is like more more than I had really realized before when I was like playing lots of shows and touring and stuff I was like wow I really am the only brown person (laughs) like shit I had not really thought about this before uh and I guess yeah I just wouldn't see anyone else yeah and I think that the conversation at the time at the time but like I think that the conversation has shifted a lot now Mm. and I don't think and it obviously I feel like it's only going to shift more and more but like the conversation of like um you know like um well from me just thinking about when you're saying that when you were young not so much thinking about the the color uh people of color like being in the scene more about like the the men the male like female the divide or like um like the conversation was more and then when you said like you know at what some point all of these bands that were like peers of fight rosa fight come and like totally like not to- totally is the wrong word but like re like we're just like we're here like we're women and we're yeah. playing like music now and like for the last x amount of time there has been a lot less women that we've wanted to see but we're going to play music now um mm. And yes, I think that that was the conversation and I think it still is, but like that was the main conversation for um, quite some time. And obviously as certain conversations, like certain scenes don't need that conversation as much, but and then you hope that it goes on to other conversations or as well as having this conversation, let's have another conversation. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. So I think like the conversation about diversity in the scene has been so focused on gender for a long time. And that's been absolutely right. Like, I think there are, there are always things that we can focus on. Um, but it's amazing to me how much, the like gender diversity has shifted still like you know it still could be better but like the amount of women um and trans and non-binary folks that are in a just at shows like the the audience diversity has changed like let alone the on-stage diversity like both of those things have shifted and you know doing things like you know, running workshops, you know, in London, you've got first timers and in Bristol, you've got eat up, you know, with an aim to really open up the doors to being involved in the punk scene, whether that's on stage or whether that's as a sound engineer or as a promoter, like those are the things that are changing the landscape and changing what those shows look like. Um, And yeah, I definitely on like race diversity, we've still got so far to go. Because I just think about like there are still there's still going to be all these like young black punks who are sat at home wanting to go to shows but feel like feel like they can't or feel like their parents don't understand or their siblings don't understand or they won't feel welcome or they've had a shit experience once so they're not going to go and that makes me feel so shit and so sad because I had like a really supportive like I had a really supportive mum and who didn't give a shit like she was just like as long as you're safe and not like drinking illegally on the I mean of course I was drinking <laughs> illegally, but like <laughs> you know she was like as long as you're not getting too drunk all these shows and you're being safe then I don't really care what you're into but there are you know there are going to be a lot of people who don't have a s- supportive networks like that um but yeah I definitely like 
the way that in the last, if I think about like the last kind of like 15 years, I go to shows now and, you know, like there are some shows that I go to where the lineup is completely dominated by women. And that to me is like so exciting. Um, and it, I just think how much of that has changed in the, like the last 15 years. Um, and, you know, I look around at the crowd. I look around at like the people who are pushing to the front. Like I always push to the front because I'm fucking tiny and I can't see if I don't, if I don't get to the front. Um, yeah. So like, I I need to, I'm like, I've paid as much as everyone else to be here. I deserve to see. But then I do that and I'm like, oh, I'm surrounded by like all these other like women or, you know, other people who are, who are here and we're taking up that space. And I, and again, like I think about, depending on the shows that I'm at, it's like, uh, I, I deserve to take up that space, but also I need to be also making space for other people. Cause like I go to shows and I generally know a lot of people, people like, it sounds really up myself, but like people know who I am in the scene when I'm like, I can go to a show by myself and not feel worried that I'm not going to know anyone. So I'm thinking about like how I make space for people to feel as confident as I feel going to those shows. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm always on the, on the lookout for like, I've not seen them before. Doesn't mean they've not come to these spaces before, but like they're also just sticking to themselves. I'll go and say hello kind of thing, which, you know, at least you can do at times. Um, So yeah, I, I think, I think that's just like, so, so, amazing of you Cassie to constantly be thinking about like you're constantly thinking about other people is what what I'm hearing basically (laughs) yeah like my therapist would probably uh probably agree with you and ask me to challenge that a little bit (laughs) um but you are allowed at the front of a show yeah I will say yeah yeah I don't know I just think it's I think it's really exciting I think like you know, I want, I want to see all the, uh, you know, at some point I'm already tired. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I want to see new people coming through and starting bands or like putting on shows. Cause like, you know, I'm not going to want to do this shit forever. I mean, I might, maybe I will, but, but you know, a lot of the same people have been playing shows or putting on shows for a long time. It's always nice to see new people coming through. And yeah. I want all people to feel like th- that space belongs just as much to them as it does to us. Um, definitely, definitely. You know, um, but I was like, I think it's interesting how, uh, so like taking up that space in Fight Raise a Fight felt, um, felt kind of natural in a way because we were talking about feminist issues and yeah, we were making people feel uncomfortable, but we felt like, um, I don't know, it was it was becoming like feminist kind of bands and right girl bands were carving out that space um, and like make, making space for themselves in the scene and creating like this new, this kind of new path in the kind of DIY punk scene, the queer punk scene in the UK. I think what was different for me was joining Worst Witch and like it was almost like regressing because... I'd gone from being four years and like touring in this like feminist punk band and playing all these shows that were dominated by like women and trans and, and non-binary folks. And the the shows themselves were dominated by those people as well, like very queer friendly spaces. And then playing shows with Worst Witch where we were like, 
you know, queer, positive, vegan, hardcore band, feminist, hardcore band. But I was the only woman. I'd gone from an all-woman band to then being the only woman in the band and then often being the only woman on the lineup, definitely the only black person on the lineup. So it was kind of like going backwards in a way. Yeah. Because like the hardcore, I think the hardcore and like metal scenes have still got a lot of work to do. Uh, you know, there were there where the DIY punk scene was like 10 years ago still. Uh, so it was kind of, I, I had a great time, like a really great time in that band because it was really nice to like, be playing something that was more challenging for me as a bassist and uh it was you know I love heavy music so playing yeah. something that was like screamy and heavy was super exciting and that's what I've you know what I've carried on doing now um but it was like I'd gone from <laughs> being surrounded by like feminists and and women and queer people to to then kind of going backwards and just being surrounded by white dudes, which was kind of, yeah, a kind of a shame, I guess. But I don't know, like, it's it's also, it was nice. I think people were a bit like, oh, we're about to, like, watch this band that has a black woman in it and they're about to play something really heavy. I don't know. It's nice to surprise people sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that is, um, yeah, it's, 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 it, yeah, definitely interesting. And with, so was Worst Witch a band before you joined? Yeah. So uh, my, my, my pal Liam uh, was playing bass in that band. Um, so, yeah, they were, they were basically, they were a band before I joined. And their guitarist was um, from Spain and was moving back to Spain. And originally Liam was like, oh, we need a new guitarist. Can you play guitar? And I was like, fuck no. <laughs> I was like absolutely not I'm really bad and he was like how bad and I was like really bad like I'm not doing it and he was like well if I move to play guitar will you come and play bass so I went along like to a couple of practices just to kind of hear what they were doing um and they sent me the tracks and stuff and yeah I spent like a few weeks just with Liam like learning all of the songs and like learning the bass lines um, and he moved to guitar and I joined on bass and yeah, like I was in that band, I, I guess for a couple of years maybe. And we, we made a record, um, that I'm still super proud of. Um, I really, really, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of like how I developed as a bassist in that band as well. Like, as I said before, you know, all this really fast stuff that I thought I was never going to be able to play. Like I did, I did end up being able to play it and we played some really great shows and it was nice to be playing in a heavy band and really pushing myself um and I also uh when we were recording that record um I I had no idea that I was going to do any vocals on on the record and then our vocalist Alex was like oh yeah here are all the songs that I want you to do some vocals on and I was like fuck <laughs> um and I kind of <laughs> like that's that was the time that I discovered my screaming voice like because in fighters of fight towards the end of fighters of fight i did do some like really shouty stuff but it wasn't like a proper i don't think it was a proper scream really i've always thought like maybe i could do it you know when you're like drunk at like club nights and you're screaming to electric on fire or death <laughs> or something <laughs> you think like yeah um you but you're really drunk and you're like yeah i can scream like 
I'm a fucking screamy vocalist, but you never actually do it properly. Um, but yeah, recording that record, I was like, fuck, maybe I can do this. Um, so I definitely credit, I credit Alex for like encouraging me to, to kind of find my screamy voice and, and hone that a little bit. Um, but yeah, they, that, that was like, that was a super fun band to be in. And I'm super proud of that, the record that we made. Yeah. And now you're doing vocals, um, in a band, aren't you? Right. Yeah, I just do vocals in Stress, um, which also has Liam and Alistair from Westwich um, and our, our pal Tony um, on bass. So it's like really, it's really weird, like um, not playing bass. Like that is, I, I'm still getting used to that, I think. Because um, it's, I, I find like, I find getting the timing right really hard because I'm not playing the riffs. Like I'm so, I, I'm like, oh, thinking about these like vocal patterns when I'm not playing bass is really bizarre. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. It's super liberating. It's really, really liberating just doing vocals. Like I, f- I think that's really cool. Um, and also, yeah, I just get to focus on doing stuff, doing really screamy vocals that I've wanted to do for so long and it's so liberating. And, and it's like, you know, it's kind of nice to listen to it and be like, do you know what? That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, just to be like, yeah, do you know what? Shit. This is actually, this is actually quite good. And like, I can be proud of this. So it's really cool. That's amazing. And so you write lyrics for like, are you writing lyrics for that as the vocalist? Yeah. 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 Which is, yeah. Like I say, it's nice to just focus on that and focus on just the vocals and doing vocals in a different way. And, um trying to think about how to look after my voice and make sure that I can carry on doing that and um it's really I don't know it's really um you know it's the the vocals are really screamy and um harsh and a lot of it's really depressing to be honest <laughs> but it's so angry and it's really nice to be able to have a space to express that yeah. um, and to do it in like, you know, the stuff that we're writing is really heavy, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, it, some of it's quite melodic. Some of it's quite, um, you know, it's ultimately it's just like a hardcore DB type band. Um, but it's, yeah, it's super fun. And also like, I really, really missed making music like with Liam and Alistair and, and our really good friend Tony as well. And being in a band with those guys is, is so fun. And they're just, they're, they're happy for me to just fucking go for it. And yeah. they're super supportive dudes to be in a band with. And I kind of, I felt like that when I joined Worst Witch as well. Like it, it wasn't, although I, I'd gone from being in a band with just women to then being the only woman in a band in the band like they were all super supportive and encouraging and you know I I know some amazing dudes so you know I I think a lot of people think that I'm like really anti-man which is like not true at all like I know I've got so many like amazing cis men in my life um and my point is always like all the cis men in my life are like the hand-picked ones that I really love. <laughs> they can stay. Need, yeah, like, I don't need, I don't need any more. Like, <laughs> the ones that I, are my friends, I'm like, yeah, they're the ones that I want to keep. Like, 
you know, the rest of them can fuck off. Um, um, I guess um, I'd like to probably change tact a little bit, um, but like another like aspect of like I say, it was saying earlier how I see you like where you're like where you're hot on your sleeve, I guess, um, which was something that like um, like I, I did message you in the week about, but like um, I guess it's something that I think about quite a lot with like body positivity, mm-hmm. and um, I guess I wanted to ask you about it firstly because like I guess to um, talk about myself which I kind of never have done before, like some days, weeks, and doesn't tend to be months at a time, but like some periods of time I can like be really, really hard on my, on my, like have bad self body image or whatever it's called, I guess. And I always find it difficult to like know who to talk to about that from someone with experience because obviously you can't really go to someone. I reckon that you've probably got, um, (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh... <laughs> yeah but, you can just so like, yeah you ring me up and just be like hey you're fat how are you feel <laughs> how do you deal with that <laughs> <laughs> so uh <laughs> i thought i'd ask because i see that you like because obviously that's something that i see you publicly like talking about and like that's part of yeah just something that you publicly talk about um and I think it will be a nice thing because maybe people that have listened do experience that kind of thing and don't really because like again like I say I I, I do experience it and like I have no idea like where to go to think about these to to even like see people talking about it really but um, could you like talk about your experience and like becoming body positive I guess or what it means yeah. and yeah for sure I think yeah I think you're right like it, it is weird to be like where do I even who can I talk to about this stuff without being really like rude or whatever um I think like uh for me it's taken me years and years and years to be positive about my body my image my self-image um to be like confident or even semi-confident about my appearance um and I think it's it's always a journey and you're always gonna have like up and down days about various different things it could like it you know it could be your weight it could be your butt your legs your skin your hair like any any of it like and I think you know, there's definitely a correlation between, for me anyway, like this might not be the same for everyone, but for me, there's definitely a correlation between how well I'm doing in terms of my mental health and how I feel about my, how positive or not I feel about my body or the way I'm physically presenting into the world. Um, and I think like, you know I think about my the relationship between my identity and what I put out into the world and and what that looks like physically to other people so like I you know I am a fat black queer woman what does that mean and and how am I owning that um and I think for me to be honest like I I think how how many years ago was it now probably like I don't know 
over 10 years ago, probably like, yeah, 10 to 12 years ago, I found the body positive community of Tumblr, right? And actually a few a few of the folks that I still speak to from that time, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, where we've all stayed like, so they're like some amazing like fat activists, fat women activists that I met through Tumblr all those years ago. And we there are quite a few of us who are still in touch and still fat and still living fucking great lives. And I think through that community, what it really taught me was that being fat isn't wrong. It's not ugly. It's not the worst thing you can be. It's not unsexy. It is just, it's like, it's, um, I think of fat as an adjective. It's like, it's a way that I describe myself because I am fat, like, and I'm not saying like, that's not a bad thing. That is just a descriptor in the same way that I am black, in the same way that I have brown hair. Um, in the same way that I'm short, right? I'm, I'm a small person. I'm a tiny short person. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm also fat and I, I have to think about, um, like that is just part of who I am and there's absolutely nothing bad or wrong about that. And I think I went through this process of just really, thinking about and learning to love all of these parts of my body that I have spent a really long time hating and I think also one of the biggest changes for me was um if I if somehow I miraculously like add could add up all of the minutes the seconds and minutes that I um have spent hating my body or staring in the mirror and wishing I was thinner um how much time would that add up to being and what could I have been doing with that time so could I have been like out swimming or like running around wearing a really tiny pair of shorts um that I really wanted to wear like could I have been like off cycling with my mates or whatever like what could I be doing with that time and like what a waste of the time of my life hating my body is because your body does so many amazing things and it looks after you and it carries you around all this time. Spending time hating it and being mean to it is a massive waste of your time and energy when you could be spending time really loving yourself and loving the people around you and loving your life. And like, that sounds really cheesy and cringy, but like, for me, it's like, uh, I want to enjoy my life and enjoy the people around me. Um, and I know that um, if I'm positive about myself, then that attracts positivity. And like, I know that I, for me, like if I'm trying to like radiate positivity or like goodness about the way I feel about my body, that's what that attracts to. And I have so many amazing, positive, positive beautiful people in my life. And I'm pretty sure that some of that is down to me attracting those positive people because I'm kind of giving out positivity does that make sense yeah yeah for sure I think like things like you know I've always had a really chubby belly uh but bellies are super cute (laughs) like and like (laughs) recognizing that and being like man super cute chubby bellies adorable like why (laughs) why would I hate that like why you know bellies just in general in general are really cute uh and I love like I love my belly I also love 
other people's bellies not in a creepy way I'm not like walking around the street being like hey cute belly you know (laughs) but like just taking time to like have a look at and spend time with parts of your body that maybe you felt uncomfortable about before but actually there's nothing wrong with them and there's they they just are like that is just a part of your body and spending so much time time trying to change that is maybe not the best use of your time um you know it, if it's if it's going to make you feel good in the long run then great like i you know i'm really enjoying running at the moment when when i'm at work like uh we play friday football like i know that exercise and moving my body makes me feel good but i'm not doing that for a purpose of changing my body i'm doing it because i know it makes me feel mentally and physically good um and changing that perspective on exercise i think was really important for me because i kind of i have had some quite obsessive relationships with exercise before but actually just thinking about it as a way that makes me just feel mentally and physically good and not having like thinness as a goal um has been like probably like mentally a bit of a lifesaver because i have generally built these really um maybe not very healthy relationships with exercise and food but actually like just eating the things that make me feel nice and nourished and happy um and exercising in a way that makes me feel nice and nourished and happy is like a really that's just like a really positive thing and i think um I I like, do you know what? I think also um, all types of bodies are really sexy and recognising that I can be really fucking hot and sexy regardless of how fat I am is like, is really important as well. And being attracted to lots of different types of bodies is like a really positive thing as well. Um, And and also, I think lastly, like maybe maybe this is just uh, because I am a really kind of like sort of touchy, affectionate person. But I generally just try and tell people when I think they're really hot. So like um, and I think that that kind of thing and like getting that back from people as well, uh, having that confidence about my body um, kind of and then radiating that out to other people. Um, It's kind of just changed my perspective on not just my own body, but the bodies of other people Um, and made me definitely like less judgmental. Because if you're less judgmental of other people's bodies, then hopefully you'll be less judgmental of your own. If you're seeing like how beautiful people of all different shapes are, then maybe you can reflect that back on yourself. If you're not judging those people, then why the hell are you judging your own body? Um, and I found like just following some like amazing fat people online of like, and people of all different shapes has been really helpful. So it might, if, you know, it might be helpful to you to like, uh, just like find some people online on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever to just like see how beautiful and like happy they are in their lives and in their bodies and being able to reflect some of that positivity back on yourself. Yeah, because that is my my um, my my rational response to myself is like, I literally like don't care what anyone else like. I never look at someone and think, "God, you." I don't know. I just never look at someone and 
I never look at people like friends or like anyone else. And I'm like, go look at how they look. Um, so I'm like, like, no, why do I do it to myself? And plus, even if I think this, like no one's going to care how, like how I look anyway. So it's not mm-hmm. like it's going to change how anyone else acts with me. Any of my friends anyway, who I'm like going to hang out with. It's not like I, I like worry about how I look going out because I'm meeting people for the first time. Cause I don't think I really meet people for the first time anymore, but like, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, cool. think, I do think it's a journey though. I do think like it's not an overnight thing. Um, but I definitely like, uh, I I mean, I really love clothes. Like when you see me, you probably only see me in like band t-shirt and jeans. Uh, but like, <laughs> I, I really like, um, like I like to get dressed up for work and stuff because I spend so much time at work. I want to feel nice, you know, and I, I really love fashion and um, wearing, uh, expressing like who I am through what I wear and buying things that make me feel really nice um generally that just makes me feel good and reminding myself that regardless of what size I am I can wear things that make me feel nice and I think like that you know that's another nice like treat for yourself um but I think it is a journey but bloody gorgeous Sean don't worry about (laughs) it um yeah thank you for that that's um amazing so I yeah I appreciate you going into that. That's nice. Thank you for your years of work. Thank you for surmising it in uh, for us. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, I guess we have been talking for about an hour, so we should probably wrap it up. I feel um, I'm a bit gutted that we didn't even get into you and like work because like it's, you have like a job, which I think is a lot more interesting than, and most people's jobs like <laughs> you're a trade unionist am I right um well not anymore so I I still am um I used to work for a trade union full-time I'm a civil servant now but I'm still a really active trade union rep I've been trade union rep for about six years um so but yeah I did I did do a stint working full-time for a trade union as well um but yeah like uh, being in a trade union is definitely uh, really important thing anyone listening who's not in a union join your union now um, um <laughs> yeah I, yeah it is it's a really it's a weird time to be a civil servant right now I think uh just because of everything that's going on but um but yeah being a being a, a trade union rep is a really important part of I don't know I think maybe because it's like I've I have a very kind of strong sense of like power to the people type thing and I hate I hate hierarchy. I hate like, you know, uh, un- undistributed wealth. <laughs> uh, and I think like if all the workers rose up, things would be very different. Um, yeah. My dream of a general strike might be around the corner. It could be with that's what my, when I'm bummed out with all this, I'm like, it could be the spark, but who knows? Here is a question, which is probably a big one, but, um, so as a trade unionist or a rep that you are and like, and you've just said really like part of your ideal, like what actually should happen to make big change. Like how do like, is part of being a trade unionist about compromising, but understand like compromising and getting the gains that you can 
whilst ha- whilst is that difficult sometimes? Well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is that something that you do or that you feel like you have to do? And like, if that is like, how is, how do you feel like that whilst that compromise with the ideal of like, actually like what we actually need is for this system to fucking go? Yeah. 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 No, that definitely is a battle. Like, um, so I think when you are, a lot of it is about negotiation and compromise and collaboration in a way. Uh, I think you always have to remember who and what you're representing when you're in those conversations. So ultimately you want the best outcome for the members, for, for the workers that you're representing. Um, but sometimes to get that, you have to compromise. You have, you clearly like you have to have, you have to have close working relationships with, the employer with management, whatever. Um, and so often it's like little steps, little changes. Um, like I, you know, I talk jokingly about general strike, but like industrial action is always the last, like the last resort. Like no one wants to take industrial action to be on strike because you, you, you're losing money. Like you don't, you don't want anyone to be without wages, but sometimes withdrawing labor is, is what you have to do. Um, we live in a capitalist society. We live, li- we live within these structures of capitalism and labour uh, that upholds that system. So uh, if we were to tear it all down right now, there are like lo- lives would crumble. Like, you know, we, we exist within that system. So I think we'd have to think that very carefully about what, building something new like what that looks like before we tear down the current system although I am in favor of you know tearing down capitalism um but I think um like I think actually it's not even about capitalism I think it's about it's about distribution of wealth and it's about inequality so like if we had a capitalist system that worked which distributed wealth in a way that um, made sure that everyone had a decent quality of life and good standard of living and that it meant that uh, it wasn't like, you know, this whole 1%, 99% type of type of arrangement, then that would be fine. Like I wouldn't be, uh, you know, anti-capitalism if, if it was more fairly distributed because capitalism and the, the way that our the labor market works is that you know the poorest people are doing the most work and the most dangerous work and not being rewarded for it in the way that it is i mean we're seeing that right now like you know a few months ago people who work in care and social work and people who work in supermarkets were unskilled low skilled the dregs of society blah 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 and they're the ones holding this fucking country together right now so the, the distribution of wealth and like the balance of power should be in favor of those people. You know, it should be in favor of people working on the front line in the NHS. Um, yet like, so if we had a capitalist system that worked in that way, then I'd be all for it. Um, but that's why trade unions are so important because they're often working to bring gains to the people who earn the least or who are the people who are, shat all over by the the people who earn the most um 
And I also, I also think like there's part of me which um, being a trade union rep gives me license to speak truth to power <laughs> in a way that protects me as a worker. So when I, I can say things like, um, uh, so I'm coming to this meeting as a trade union rep and not as Cassie, I'm just going to tell you everything that our members want me to to kind of say to you. So I can be a lot more kind of harsh maybe <laughs> and speak truth to power in a way that is, you know, is just kind of like telling management or telling, telling the higher ups what is going on in the, gr- on the ground. It might be what I secretly want to tell them anyway. Um, but I think trade unions give a collective voice and it enables people not to have to put their head above the parapet in a in a way that could be scary or damaging um yeah. to, to those individuals um I, I ultimately i think trade unions are fucking critical and we w- we won't ever have a revolution without trade unions because the power of workers is like you know that is the biggest collective voice that we could ever have um comes from you know, um, collective voice of, of labor, basically. Um, so everyone should join their trade union, basically. Yeah. Because I'm just listening to, I, I, I just think, um, listening to what you're saying and in this conversation in general, <clears throat> like what you're saying is something that I never hear at punk shows. I, f- <laughs> I don't, I don't think like, um, I'm, maybe I'm not listening, but like, um, I feel like punk doesn't align itself with the conversations of like punk quote unquote, but like what we, the punk scenes that we've been talking about today isn't very clued in to the labor movement, Mm. which is interesting when, you know, some of what punk I see some people in these punk scenes talk about, which is, you know, a fair amount of money to, for petrol or, um, you know, a night, like diversity, things like this are very like similar, but without that kind of labor movement consciousness. Mm. But maybe that's because it's not, it's, it's not to do with work, work it's like even though i i do see people talk about being in a band as a form of labor but yeah Yeah. maybe that's just a thought in my mind you don't need to reply to it i guess but yeah well no but I, i do i think that's true we don't hear a lot of people talking about this kind of stuff at punk shows but i think there are maybe two things going on one is that um either you've got a whole load of punks who don't want to engage in that conversation about labor market because we should all be anarchists and we should all not have jobs and we should all like you know it by having a job you're not punk or by do you know what i mean like so i think there's that kind of old school thought and you know we should all be living off grid blah 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 that's just not that's not achievable for so many people i think the flip side of that is that at punk shows, I don't think there's that same working class voice as there perhaps has been in the past. Um, and so you got a lot of like middle class punks who actually the reality of having to fight for sick pay or for a living wage just doesn't come into their reality because they like have a mum and dad who can 
pay their rent or ever that all have have that home that they can fall back on and I know that's a really generalized thing that I'm saying like I'm not saying that that's everyone in the punk scene but I've definitely come across that um where for example um like people people who can kind of go on tour and um, not you know afford to not have a job and just be in bands full time because if it doesn't work out mum and dad you know are paying their rent or they can move back home or whatever like mum and dad are paying for their studio time and it's like actually I I'm there are lots of us who do need to think about um the labor movement new, do need to think about fair wages and I think um the the intersection of those kinds of politics and punk are like really strong for a lot of us but for for a lot of other people they don't they don't even kind of come into play definitely and I feel like I guess this is like um I I just feel um sometimes well a lot of the times I see certain things and I see I believe that like the term like DIY has been co-opted by like neoliberalism yeah, um, which yeah. is the point of neoliberalism, of course, is like make sh- let's sell everything. And I feel like that, you know, like I see, like for me personally, and I, that DIY is it's anti it's anti capitalist, and it's like it's not a it's not something that your band is happens to be. It's like a choice. Yeah. Um, like no matter what, like your band might lug your gear and like um pay for your own studio time and like blah 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 it might work exactly the same as like another band but like you're not but if you're like waiting to make it because and you're like wanting to get signed to this major label and like that you're not DIY like DIY is not waiting in around it's and it's it's a choice that you will be and like yeah. it's it's we are going to do things differently. We're going to do things on our own terms, um, and I've and I think that like with that also comes I see DIY users like a a synonym for this isn't done very well or this isn't this is done differently to the detriment of it being done. Where mm. it's or like we don't have like where for me again like DIY. There's no reason why DIY shouldn't be as good as anything as good but like shouldn't be as easy or accessible as anything else mm. like when i say as good i mean like a diy recording doesn't mean that it's going to be any worse it's just going to be like how you want it to be mm. or like i don't know like um oh we're very diy here oh so like you don't have the right cables like yeah. your cables don't work anymore or like b- you know, that just means that at the moment you don't have the money to like, it's not like we are choosing to like make our, like, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I get what you mean. Yeah. It's, I I think like, um, yeah, I, I guess that's why, that's the reason I like DIY as an ethos. Cause like, uh, it doesn't mean, it means that you can do all of these awesome things just as higher quality but without um, having to sell your fucking soul Um, and you can, you can achieve like to me, like the bands that I've been in have been successful, like in terms like, yeah, we didn't sign to a major label, but we didn't want to either. Uh, Like we were, 
successful DIY bands because we we got to like tour and have fun and like play shows and meet people. That's what success is to me. Um, yeah. And, you know, got to make some fun records like that's my le- that for me personally, that's my level of success. Like, well, my level of success is like learning to play a bit faster than I could before. Um, and I like I also think like DIY is one thing. And then, you know, we've started over the last few years talking a lot about like DIT, do it together, which is like a much more of a community like focus of it all which which I really really love uh because it takes the like because I think um this is not an individualistic movement and I think that's obviously what I love about trade unions too because it's not about the individual it's about yeah games and like that's what I think DIY punk is about too yeah and I guess my argument would be that like that has always been what DIY is it's just Mm. unfortunate that like it's do it it stands for do it yourself when it yeah. actually means do it together yeah 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 for sure because for sure. that's where i think some people are like, well it's you know like diy well we can't do everything ourselves it's like yeah but it's like you're allowed a little bit of leeway on what this original term actually meant yeah. um <clears throat> where like i just yeah sometimes i'm like it's not just a hashtag because you are driving yourself to a gig you can then call yourself this because then you might be able, you might like be shortlisted in this like 10 DIY bands kind of thing, mm. which, uh, mm. I, yeah. I know it just made me, um, think of, um, this, uh, um, the, this book by this, um, this woman who was uh, a politician in uh, the North of Ireland, Burnett Dev- Devlin. I don't know if you know her. She's no, amazing. She's really worth your time. She's great. But her the, her book is called um, The Price of My Soul. Mm. And um, she said, like, it, well, it doesn't, like, refer to how much it would cost for her to, like, sell out, but um, the price that you, like, pay to preserve your own integrity, mm. which, which is, like, super interesting. I guess I'm getting, like, a bit more philosophical now. And um, I just... Uh, I guess I've just feel passionately about DIY, which I guess is partly uh, probably a projection on my own like identity with DIY, I guess, and other people's differing. Um, It's just interesting, I guess, because it all sparked from when I was hearing what you were saying with, with the trade union. And again, I think that that, that, that like ties in with like what you were saying when you made that conscious decision that your life will be, revolving around these things that are so important to you Mm, yeah I I don't know like is it a choice though like did I make a choice I don't know like how I guess I guess I made a choice not to bury those things like um because I just I I think like those that identity my identity is like well it is it is my identity so I don't know uh how uh, for me living a like meaningful positive life is about being unapologetically all of those things uh, is about being like uh very unapologetic about my blackness queerness my gender being fat being like all of those things um because i can't there are a few of those things i can't hide uh and yeah i don't know it's in, it's interesting to think about 
Um, but I'm also, I guess I'm also really proud of those things. Like yeah. there's nothing shameful about any of those things. And I, as I said, like it has taken me, definitely taken me a while to understand that. Uh, Cause there is literally nothing shameful about any of those things. They are just as beautiful as any other parts of anyone else's identity. Um, and, and also I'm like, you know, if people hate that or can't handle that, fucking fuck them. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want those people around me. I don't want those people in my life. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, amazing. I guess um, uh, just to finish up. So you've got two new bands at the minute, right? Or you're playing yeah. in two bands at the minute. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Gleed and Stress. Cool. And have, um, have you got any records on the way? um so we stress were due to be recording last weekend the end last uh weekend of march which coronavirus well and truly put uh on the on the back burner so yeah we've we've got like um we've got an ep in the works for sure uh and gleed similar actually we we had planned to kind of record sometime in april but again that's that's been been put on hold but um yeah both both bands when we can we'll have some records we'll have some records out amazing and people can hear you um chatting on your own podcast in the meantime right Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I do a podcast called Chips and Beans, the Chips and Bean, Beans podcast, uh, with my really good friend Bridget Hart. Um, and that's actually kind of similar to Culture Fear in a way. Like, um, it's a feminist, like queer feminist DIY punk podcast, and we talk about identity. We talk about uh, what's going on in our lives, but we talk about um, our love of punk, the music we're loving at that particular time the books we're loving uh the kind of gigs that we've been to and all that kind of thing so it's like music with a kind of queer feminist edge amazing cool um i guess i'll just leave with one question chips or beans (laughs) oh god that's really hard um oh god no one's ever asked me that before (laughs) shit um (laughs) I think if if we're talking baked beans, then it would be baked beans. But chips, you can have any time, can't you? You might not always fancy beans, maybe chips. Yeah, you're not going to like, on the way home, yeah, I'll get a little uh, box of beans. I fucking yeah. had a right drink up tonight. So, yeah. Saw a few bands. Let's get some, I guess chips, maybe beans in pit would be nice. But yeah, cool. Yeah. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much. I'm going to no. stop recording now. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Uh, That's Cassie. Hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully catch you soon. This is Worst Witch, and this was their song, Incomprehension. Enjoy.
Right, Liam, this is the one.